This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. If you're still with me from the first hour, thank you so much for staying. Love having you. If you're just joining me now, great to be here with you as well. Thanks so much. Thanks, of course, to my board op, Matt, who stays here with me as well <laughs> to put this program on. Couldn't do it without him. And that's the that is the total truth. Let me tell you. And I couldn't Aww, do the program you. without you either. You're welcome, Matt. Couldn't do the program without you either, without the listeners. I want to tell you about a uh, what's coming up on the program. First of all, I'm going to be talking about uh, emotional abuse tactics that are common in in abusive relationships that people may not realize they are experiencing until after the fact. Also going to be talking about some of the most common questions married couples have about sex. Also going to be reviewing some of the comments on the TEDx Stanley Park talk that I gave that gives uh, some insight into what people are feeling and thinking out there in the world of uh, married life. I think that talk, uh, it was called The No Sex Marriage, pornography, masturbation, cheating, and shame. And I think it hit a lot of people because who hasn't been married, wants to get married, was married, is getting married again, doesn't want to get married? Like everyone knows the word married. So it's a pretty common thing that occurs. And uh, so I think people have some interest in it, especially if their marriage may not be going as perfectly as they had hoped or thought. Um, So anyway, if you haven't seen that, just go to YouTube and put Maureen McGrath no sex marriage and it should come up uh if things if things aren't coming up in your marriage <laughs> that at least will uh anyway i digress also going to be talking about pornography addiction dating with herpes so the show's not over if you uh if you have contracted herpes you may have contracted it from somebody that you cared about and trusted and now you're dealing with betrayal and other emotional feelings and uh, feeling like nobody's ever going to want you or that you're damaged goods. Well, I am here to tell you that's not the case. So, um, but first of all, I want to tell you about my Vancouver Women's Conference, which is on November 12th at the Fairmont Pacific Rim. It's from nine to five. We have phenomenal women coming uh, speakers uh, so far. I haven't listed everybody. Uh, so far, but we do have Pamela Martin, who is uh, with the Liberal Party. She's a long-term journalist and broadcaster, and she's going to share her career um, stories. We have a lot of physicians coming, so fertility doctors. Dr. Neve Tallon is coming, as well as Dr. Anjali Malhotra, who's a women's specialist and a cardiologist. John Weisler is going to be there as well. We're going to have like the doctor's show, and you can ask all of your questions. Uh, we're also going to have uh, Jody Vance, who's now um, a host here at uh, CKNW. I've been working with her the last couple of weekends. I love her. Oh, to yeah, death. she's fantastic. She's, she's great, an yeah. amazing host. Yeah, she's so great. And she has My Backyard Press, My Backyard, uh, which is her blog, and she has a lot of contributors to it. So I contributed to that last week, and she posted it, and it was called My So-Called Life Online. So have a look at that blog, and that's a lot about that perfect life we post online, our perfect children and our perfect homes and the dinners that we're having, and isn't everything fantastic in our relationship? And uh, uh, that may not necessarily be the case. And in fact, some science reports that, uh, or some studies report that the more people post online about their perfect lives, the less likely it is to be perfect. No kidding, huh? You can almost see sometimes, like I know a lot about people (laughs) and I 
hear a lot about people and you email me things. And then I, I mean, I Google everybody, let me tell you. Um, and, you know, you see this perception that people are putting out there and it's just like, oh my gosh, instead of dealing with what's sad is instead of dealing with their own issues, they are deciding to fight this whatever with, look at my life. It's so amazing. Um, and, uh, but you know, they're tears of a clown can often be the case, not always. Um, but we're going to start out. Oh, oh yeah. So I did want to say that if you, um, want to give a call, I'm going to give away two tickets to this event. We have Carmen Cruz is coming, Jody Vance, uh, Pamela Martin and a couple of giant surprises as well. Uh, so you'll want to be at this event. It's, uh, it's, uh, something women can do for themselves, but I'm going to give away two tickets to, uh, the event, uh, for the, you know, to the fourth caller. Um, it's for women, so it's only women who can win, unless you're a guy and you're going to give it to women, but you have to register their names. Um, so give me a call if you like, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Right now the tickets are $69 a piece. I think they actually went up to 89 today, but they're going to go up to 129 So you want to get your tickets early. Uh, there's going to be shopping there for women. There's going to be lots of products, uh, lots of different, um, uh, lots of things to learn, love, network, big connections. Uh, that you'll make, you'll meet some people you may never have met before. So lots of sharing stories, lots of uh, telling women how it is, you know, and, um, and you know, you'll hear uh, ways to help with your career, ways to help with mentorship, social media, how that really works and how to actually increase the revenues for your company, that kind of thing. And, um, um uh, so anyway, um, yeah, so if you want to give me a call, you can uh, win these tickets and tell me why you would like to attend this little giant event of mine. Uh, so have we, have we got a caller, Matt? The fourth caller. I should have said the 69th caller, but I didn't. Anyway, so the day is going to be great. There's going to be about a 1,000 women there. Uh, and uh, have we got someone online there? Hello. Oh, hi. How are you? I'm well, and you? I'm good, thanks. Who's this? It's Sherry. Oh, hi, Sherry. So did you want to win the two tickets? You bet I do. Why would you like to go? You know what? I just want to um, go and hear the speakers and uh, be surrounded by some fantastic women and learn some things. Great. Okay, fantastic. Well, you win. November 12th. That's a Saturday. Perfect. Matt will take all of your information. That's great. All right, wonderful. Well, thanks for listening to the show. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Look forward to meeting you on that day. You bet. Have uh, a great evening. Thank you so much. And you can get your tickets at VancouverWomensConference.com if you like. And uh, we're, when I come back, we're going to talk to Francesca. We're going to talk about uh, emotional abuse tactics. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Unless you were under a rock this week, you most likely viewed the presidential, the U.S. presidential debate with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Well, some of the feminists in the world were really upset at some of the tactics that the New York Times called Trump, otherwise known as the Lord of the Lies. Uh, some of those tactics are very similar to some of the tactics that people in abusive relationship relationships use, like lying, denial, blame shifting, um, also moving the goalposts. It's a sophisticated tactic, tactic where the manipulator 
to avoid having to answer for an issue will redefine the goals of the exchange. So it aims to humiliate a victim, to keep them preoccupied so as to accomplish nothing with their time or just simply wear them out. But she could not be worn out on that night. Bait and switch is another tactic. It's similar to moving the goalposts. Manipulators pretend to be talking about one issue in order to end up talking about what they really want to say. Projecting is a tactic which a manipulator accuses a victim of doing exactly what he is being accused of. And Trump did that with astonishing efficiency on that night. Generalizing and exaggerating, this is um, one, uh, something that will really harm a relationship or or another person um, to to really, um, you know, make it uh, all about it's a disaster, it's tremendous, it's high hyperbole um you know so it's just this unbelievable and so this this language that frightens people or yelling and shouting over or mansplaining fear-mongering and body shaming is another one we know that trump has a particularly troubling history of body shaming women and in relationships a man may body shame his wife or a wife may body shame uh, her husband, because people gain weight at, at times. I hate that fall five that uh, I hope everybody else, not just me, because misery loves company, puts on, you know, like it's getting a little colder. And so you start wanting to have warmer meals and eating a little bit more. And and um, and then you got to catch yourself and say, nope, I'm going to, um, you know, not going to, I'm going to eat healthier foods. But this body shaming can, you know, make women feel terrible and lower their self-esteem and their sexual self-esteem. Well, Francesca is on the line, and she is a woman who was in an abusive relationship, and she's here to share her story tonight with me. Hi, Francesca. Hi, Maureen. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, good. Well, you sound great. So you were in an abusive relationship. Multiple, yes. Multiple (laughs) abusive relationships. Oh, I didn't realize that. I hope that doesn't happen again. So what was it like to be in in an abusive relationship? Was this emotional abuse or physical abuse? And often the emotional abuse is worse than the physical abuse because it's crazy making. We can see a broken leg, but we can't see the broken heart or the confusion of the mind. No, we can't. And um, I, you know, had experience a little bit of both, you know, physical, emotional um, abuse. And I think, Maureen, like you said, you know, the emotional abuse is actually worse because those leave lasting scars, you know. And one of the things I want to mention is it's very cyclic. And I need women and, and even men, but mostly women to like recognize that so that they can recognize when they are caught or trapped in an abusive relationship. Um, and the cycle involves, you know, the tension phase, you know, which includes, which can, which can include things like, you know, where they appear to be angry at you. I like to call it the game, right? Mm-hmm. So men who were abusive, they tend to fall into the cycle, you know, where they don't speak to you, the withdrawal, the substance abuse, you know. Those would all fall, for example, under the tension phase. And that usually is often a build up to what, um, you know, I re- we refer to as the explosion stage, which is where they become physically aggressive. They yell, they body shame, you know, extreme verbally, you know, extremely verbally aggressive. And they hit you often and, and so on. Um, it's also um, it also includes financial abuse as well. Um, and, you know, the verbal psychological abuse, which involves, you know, the body shaming and the disempowerment, um, the fear mongering, you know, where you become so scared that no one is going to believe you because, you know, God help you if you yell back in defense because you you don't know what else to do, right? As women, we're naturally equipped to 
want to fix everything, right? Especially when it comes to a relationship because of our children. You know, we have that, you know, um, instinct to want to survive and, 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 you know, keep our relationships going. And often when you're trapped in this cycle, it really, um, it really messes with that instinct that we have of wanting to survive and save our marriages, right? And then, of course, there's the honeymoon stage, which is, um, you know, where they go, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I hit you, honey, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. And they buy you flowers, you know, they cook you dinner and, and all of these different things. And that's the stage where I find as women, we get stuck in again to continually stay in the cycle because that's where we become hopeful, right? That, oh, my God, OK, maybe we can fix this. You know, maybe if I stay a little longer and I try a little bit harder, you know, I can actually fix the problem. And so it's the cyclical thing of the abuse and then the honeymoon, abuse and the honeymoon. What does that do to a woman's self-esteem? What does that do to um, how you feel about yourself? How, um, I mean, it's got to be wearing and it's got to be on your mind constantly, her ability to work, her ability to function. Absolutely. It kills your self-esteem. Um, you know, I remember, um, the re- I keep my hair short still because of that reason, because I would never forget the day I walked into the doors of those shelters when, you know, I looked and I felt like a wet dog, like a fat, ugly pig, like this was wearing on me. You know, I was, I felt stupid. I felt so fat and so ugly and so scared that, you know, oh my God, now everybody, and, and shameful because, um, and now everybody was going to find out what was happening behind closed doors for like, you know, the last several years, right? Right. So, so you fled um, the abuse. I'm sorry? You fled yes, the I abuse. Oh, absolutely, I did. Um, After I, how many years? Uh, my last situation was for about uh, 12 years. 12 years in length. Yes. And you'd had abusive relationships had, prior to that? Yes. And was there something, uh, I mean, um, by, uh, did you, were you not educated about abusive relationships? Did you not think it was safe to tell others? Was it shame? What, what kept you there? Uh, your children? A num- yeah, a number of things. Um, I wasn't educated about abusive relationships, so I wasn't aware to, about, you know, about abuse having an actual cycle. Mm-hmm. So I was unable to identify with anything. And so I was trapped in the cycle of, you know, fear and shame and insecurity. And my children, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I grew up in a culture where, you know, it's, we're learned that it's very important that, you know, you stick together no matter what, right? You know, all of those stupid little rules. Right. They always forget that unless he's beating the crap out of you and, uh, you know, screaming at you and calling you names, you know, they forget that little addition to the sentence. (laughs) Exactly. So some of it is, you know, poor upbringing and not having the knowledge and the know-how and not, especially not having the knowledge to recognize that, you know, this was the cycle that I was caught in, right. you know, and it wasn't until I became a part of, you know, being a part of that cycle and, you know, realizing that my older children had become a part of that cycle because they were now repeating some of these behaviors. So, of course, by the time my youngest daughter, Charlotte, was born, I <laughs> was like, oh, my God, she's going to be making the same choices. She's going to become the same way. Right. This is, going, this is so unhealthy. So it was like a wake-up call, like, for me. Right. Um, you know, I was completely broken. I was suicidal. I, you know, I, I, I had literally lost my soul because 
not only did I not realize I was in the cycle, this repetitive cycle, you know, all my life, but also I didn't know how to get out of it. Right. And what I kept you from what, what kept you from dying by suicide? What kept you from you said you were suicidal? Um, spirituality. Okay. Because I did try. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I woke up each time. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, that's the only thing I can think of is perhaps it wasn't my time. Okay. And yeah. But you did attempt. You did attempt suicide yeah. with a young child. Um, the last time no. Oh. They were yeah, my kids were older. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um and, and do you think that mental illness played a role here? Do you think that your the men in your life had mental illness? Were they utilizing substances excessively? Uh Absolutely drinking more. alcohol? Yes, yes. There was factors of alcohol involved. Um there's um, you know, substance abuse of course. Um and definitely, definitely mental illness because that's their go to, right? To help um you know, help them deal with their problems, which, you know, I came to realize over time, you know, after I left and I've, you know, started healing and then I started, you know, looking at the big picture. I realized that, you know, it it all comes down to mental illness. Like, oh, my God, what a horrible thing to have as a human being in general. And so some people might think that's an excuse for men that that I mean, it can't be that all men have mental illness, that all abusive men have mental illness or all abusive women have mental illness. Um, And to blame it on that. And, And certainly people with mental illness are not abusers. So. Is it also something that people learn, that people grow up with, that, that that's Absolutely. what they were taught? It's a combination of things, right? It's mental illness, learned behavior. You know, it's what they were taught, you know, in order to be a man. You know, you need to be aggressive, right? You need to man up. It's the little things. It's like the programming that program, you know, these men that this is the way that they should be. And, you know, it, it's treacherous because what it's designed to do is actually disempower them. Because they're not equipped the same way as women. You know, they're not wired the same way. You know, women often, you know, we no know kidding, huh? solutions, right? Yeah, like, you know, they don't think that way, right? They think very differently. And so absolutely, I think it's a combination of, of things that, yeah. Yeah. And I think today, too, with social media, men can be whomever they want to be. They can be very different. You know, we're not we're putting on all these masks, um, you know, in life, in our relationships. And, um, you know, that can be very dangerous as well. Um, and so you did You did get out, you sought the uh, solace of a shelter in Vancouver? I did. Yes, I did. And, I did. And what did you learn? And now you're on your own, like just the, we don't have much time left, but the jump yes. from the shelter to now you're independent and living on your own? I am, yes, yes. With your daughter? Been, with my daughter, and I've been working on my continuing my own healing because, you know, I, I have like 40 years of, you know, trauma and abuse to deal with. And I'm learning that takes a lot of time to heal, right? Right. Did you have trauma and abuse as a child? Yes, I did. You did. Yeah. yeah. And see, this perpetuates unless you break the oh, cycle like you did. unless you break the cycle, yeah. That's right. Yes. Well, you've done an amazing job. You sound great. Um, I'm sure this journey, this healing journey is, is probably lifelong for you. Um, but for all of us, we're all on a healing journey of one type or another. We're always growing and learning and loving differently and better. Uh, so uh, thank you so much for sharing your story, Francesca. Uh, it's a beautiful one. I'm glad you got out of that situation and uh, and you're sharing your story with you know other people out there who might be in a similar relationship. Absolutely.
absolutely. Thank you very much, Maureen, for having me on the show. You are so welcome. Thank you. It's a very difficult subject, abusive relationships. Uh, You know, and so many people are in them and they don't even realize it and they put up with so much stuff and they don't realize the alcohol fuels some of this anger and there are so many contributing factors. But if you're in that relationship, know there is help. You can email me, sextalk at cknw.com, and I can at least show you, uh, give you some guidance. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath. I am hosting this show as I do every Sunday night for you. I uh, couldn't do it without you. Thanks for all your emails and your contribution to the show, whether it be as a as a guest or a call in or or a little bit of advice or wisdom. And I want to thank the last person who called in uh, who said that a family member of his was in a in a verbally abusive relationship, and he sought solace in the book called The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans. It's uh, a best-selling classic, and you learn why verbal abuse is more widespread than ever and how you can deal with it and also recognizing some of the signs of it. And so this book may provide you with answers you need to recognize abuse when it happens because sometimes you're like it's a little crazy making and sometimes you're like what was that I didn't quite understand that I had the experience I did not grow up with uh, sexual with any kind of abuse and never have I had that in my relationship fortunately fortunately relationships fortunately however I did work for a narcissist who was abusive and uh, many of those tactics that I spoke about earlier on with Donald Trump um, the lying the um, bait and switch, the all those crazy making things I experienced. And it was just shocking to me because I had no idea uh, what that was about. Uh, and this person, you know, reminded me so much of Donald Trump uh, had nothing, you know, just I, I he does not represent the Republican values. May I just say that first? OK, they certainly could have put a better candidate uh, to represent Republican values in the U.S., but uh, he was a windbag full of nothing, surrounds himself with wingmen that are the, you know, have the brains behind the operation. Uh, And this was this fellow that I had worked for. He had nothing. He was dark, empty. He was a drug user and uh, and, uh, consumed alcohol excessively. Um, He would come to work every day hungover or on drugs, Um, yet he was able to raise all this money and talk all these people into this magical solution that he found for a global problem. Um, But there was nothing behind it, and there was nothing behind him. And it was the same. He would go on radio programs, and he would make a bumbling idiot out of himself, and that's that psychopathic uh, personality, and that's a personality disorder. So anyway, we we see that... Uh, commonly in uh, the unsuccessful people. You've got to wonder, how did he get there? And these people do become successful in a way. It looks as though they are successful, but uh, but they're not necessarily. So, But what are some of the body language blunders that successful people actually never make? It's really important how you turn up, how you present to the world, how you present to your job, to the stage, to where, wherever you're going, to your bedroom. Uh, it's important that you walk in there, uh, you know, demonstrating confidence. Uh, so slouching is actually a sign of disrespect, which I didn't realize that because we can all slouch, right, Matt? I slouch. I'm actually trying to sit up straight right now after Me you too. said that. <laughs> you know, I actually think that tall people slouch more. goes back to my childhood when I was the tallest in the class and I didn't get to have a boy partner 
um, ever at the Catholic school that I went to. I was always partnered with a a giant (laughs) girl. And uh, so the tall girls didn't get the cute boys. All the cute boys were short. And so they were at the front with the short girls. But anyhow, so I think that that might be that. But absolutely, I uh, try consciously not to slouch. So it communicates that you're bored and have no desire to be where you are, which we know that's not true. Neither one of us are bored. We're both delighted to be here. And uh, so we don't want to slouch. Exaggerated gestures. <laughs> now I could be guilty of of this for sure. Uh, it may imply that you're stretching the truth. Uh Indeed. So you want to aim for small, controlled gestures. I'm going to remember that. I mean, who knows? I do a lot of presentations. Uh, Who has time to think about this? But just remember it. Uh, You know, I, I see people who do utilize small, controlled gestures, and that's interesting. So you don't want to... Uh you know, be gesticulating or like spreading your arms apart or apparently showing the palms of your hands. Uh, I think, I don't think you want to do that. You want those control gestures, but, um, oh, I guess open gestures are good. Yeah. So you can spread your arms apart. (laughs) Anyway, I was getting confused there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, watching the clock is never good or yawning. That's another one. That's not good. And people sometimes can't help that. And I was somewhere this week and somebody yawned and she said, I'm not yawning because of you. You know, and I said, oh, no, I don't think that at all. But she was quite worried about that. Turning yourself away from others or not leaning into your conversation. Of course, we have Sheryl Sandberg always talking about leaning in, especially for women. Um, Of course, you know, women's behavior has to be different than men's. You know, if we lean in, uh, we may be, uh, you know, it may not it may be frowned upon basically. But if you lean away, you may be portraying that you are unengaged or uninterested or uncomfortable or distrustful of the person who is speaking. So you don't want to do that either. But there's so much that you have to take into consideration when you're presenting yourself because people judge that first uh, meeting, right? And so crossed arms is not good. And crossed legs to some degree are physical barriers that may suggest you're not open to what the person is saying or Uh, perhaps wanting. Even if you're smiling or engaged in a pleasant conversation, the other person may get a nagging sense that you're shutting them out. Inconsistency between words and your facial expression causes some people to sense that something isn't right, and they may suspect you're trying to deceive them. Or exaggerating nodding signals anxiety about approval. Something I do, and I know this, and it's pointed out to me all the time, uh huh. If I'm, <laughs> I'm someone's talking to me, especially if they're like going on and on and on, and like sort of just different segments, I might go uh huh, and then they say uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, it sounds ridiculous when I say it now. Fidgeting with or fixing your hair signals that you're anxious, over energized, self conscious, and distracted, and avoiding eye contact as well. It makes you look like you have something to hide, and that arouses suspicion. Look me straight in the eye. It also may indicate a lack of confidence and interest, which you never want to communicate that in a business setting. We're going to be reviewing all this at the Vancouver Women's Conference as well. Tips like this and things that have happened to women. I want the real stories, the real solutions, how to improve things, how to make your business better, your work better, your networking better. Um, so looking down makes it seems like seem like you lack confidence or self-conscious. And certainly you, you recall people doing that. And you don't want to have 
eye contact that's too intense either, invading someone's space, getting right in there, looking straight into their eyes, which really makes me nervous. I don't really care for that uh, too much. So um, on average, people hold eye contact for 7 to 10 seconds and longer when we're listening than when we're talking. So these are just some of the messages, you know, in a relationship too. You want, may want to turn up. You may want to consider your body language uh, when you're in an intimate relationship or in a business or professional relationship as well. So think about that because, you know, one move may give the wrong impression to somebody who you want them to hire you. And you might have been fidgeting with your hair and not even realize it because these habits are bad to break. So you want someone in your life to tell you, you, these are the things that you do and these are the things that you need to improve. And those are often the best people that come along in our lives, the people who are real, the people who will cause you great grief. Um, the person who caused me great grief, one of the, was that boss that I told you about and my life turned around after I dealt with it. I, I filed a complaint in the human rights tribunal and I got the largest workplace bullying settlement in British Columbia. And, um, and I also was uh, exposed to sexual harassment by him as well. And so, you know, that taught me, it was devastating at the time, but it taught me how to deal with this. And a lot of women deal with this sexism, misogynism, this exclusion, this women don't matter. Um, recently, I was working on a team where I developed the um, guidelines, shall we say, and I sent them off to somebody else for their approval. They were part of the team. That person reviewed them as part of the team. And then when we submitted them, the man said he wanted his logo on those guidelines that had been developed by me. And the man who had was the decision maker said to him, absolutely, no problem. And then I said, well, if we're having company names on the, these documents, I'd like mine on there as well. And he said, and, <laughs> and what company would that be, Maureen? And I said, that would be, I mean, he hired me, <laughs> said, that would be my company, and I'll send you the logo. And uh, he said, I'll have to think about it, okay? I'm the one. So those are the kinds of things that women face quite often. I face it all the time uh, in uh, in business, quite often, and I think, and, but that experience, that horrible experience in my life gave me so much confidence and courage and ability to stand up, and I and I advise Everybody, stand up. Don't let people get away with this because uh, it really can impact your health. So there's lots of other things we're going to be talking about when I come back. In particular, what, what are the most common questions married people ask about sex? I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKN. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. So you're married. So you've been married for a little while and you don't talk about sex. And now you're not even having sex. <laughs> It's a problem that I've built a, an entire clinical practice on, radio show, blogs, everything. I can't talk about it enough uh, because, it, and it's so common. Sometimes I think, is anybody having sex out there? Uh, and if they are saying they are, that generally means they're not. But um, they're certainly not having it. They're not having it that frequently. I mean, I had a woman 43 years old the other day in my clinical practice Wants to be with her husband, attracted to him. He's all the right stuff. They have one child. Uh, they're busy with their jobs. She said, we talked a little bit about uh, having sex on your wedding night. She had just gotten married in the summer. She said, didn't have sex on my wedding night. And she said, in fact, I can't even remember the last time we had sex. Can you believe that? 43 years old, one child, two jobs, too tired, both of them. Like, it's ridiculous. And it's like, it doesn't matter to them. Anyway, I worry when some when people say, 
it doesn't matter to their husband, their male husband, because male sexuality is quite different from female sexuality. And, uh, you know, a lot of people live in a state of denial. So what are some of the most common questions married couples have about sex? So probably this is one of the most common issues. What if I don't want sex as often as my partner does? Well, sex is vitally important to a healthy marriage. So if your partner isn't receiving sex as often as they'd like, they may not be feeling loved because of it. So men need to uh, have sex in order to feel loved. Women need to be loved in order to have sex. So it's you got to try that fine balance. Um, try finding other ways to make them feel loved by sending sexy text messages. Listen, you got to get the arousal going. You got to make sex a priority. Make it the number one priority in your relationship. Have sex more often. Just do it. Arousal comes before desire, I'm telling you. So say you don't want to have sex with them, and then you decide, I'm just going to have sex with them because I don't want them to yell at me. I don't want, I want those shoes tomorrow, or I don't want, or I want him to trim the hedge, or, <laughs> or I, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys are like buying expensive items, uh, cars, cabins, rings, everything to try to have sex, to get the sex life going. It's not going to work, okay? Guys, stop spending your money. It is not going to work. Um, so you have to realize and you have to have this conversation with your partner. Sex is a wonderful thing between two committed partners and you'll enjoy it. And most women will say to me, you know, after I got into it and enjoyed it, I thought, why didn't I do that before? So, um, just keep, make sure that you're having sex and then clean the house, have sex first and then wash the car, have sex first and then go shopping. It's those kinds of things. Sex is the priority. So what do I do if my partner doesn't want sex as often as I do? Well, want to make sure your partner isn't going through any temporary stressors that may go away on their own, like job issues or, um, you know, again, you just want to talk about that. See what's going on. Ask your partner what you can do to help and tell them what they can do to help you feel wanted and that, that intimacy, that connection is vital. So another question is a lot of women after they have the baby, a lot of women's sex drive increases because they want to have a baby and then plummets as soon as the baby is born. And they're just like, ah, oh, don't want to have sex anymore. I have the baby now. Um, so after giving birth, your body goes through all sorts of changes. So a lot of women wonder how long it will take to get the sex drive back to normal after giving birth. And, you know, some women, some doctors, well, the doctor's recommendation is six weeks. And after a vaginal delivery or a cesarean section, some women can't wait that long. And, um, but some women would have preferred that the doctor said a year, <laughs> wait a year before you begin again. But um, that's not necessarily healthy. But your body does go through all sorts of changes, and it takes time to get your body regulated again. There may be some vaginal dryness. Of course, you can use a personal moisturizer. Don't forget. Um, you know, it's, it really depends on your relationship, your baby, your, uh, how you feel about yourself. Body image is huge. You know, try and make, uh, you know, a lot of women gain a fair bit of weight after, um, having a baby. So you want to make sure that you're healthy, eating healthily, getting as much sleep as possible, feeling as a sexual woman still. Okay. Um, if you're not in the mood to have sex, should you have sex anyway? It, Sometimes, yes, <laughs> you actually should. Again, sometimes desire doesn't come until after the arousal. So that 
fake it until you make it might actually work in this instant. Just don't make it happen so much that you're always giving in when you're not in the mood to have sex, okay? I I have a patient, and she said to me, my mother told me never to turn my husband down for sex, and I never have. She's been married about 20 years. (laughs) And she said that her mother told her that sex is a stress release for her husband and that she's never to turn him down. Fabulous advice. Um, But she did say, you know, but he's gained weight and he's not as attractive as he was when I first married him. And she said, but what I do is I just fantasize that he's the same man that I married. I close my eyes (laughs) and I think of what he used to look like. Uh, I need to feel loved before I have sex. That's another question that's very common. No, and this is not wrong at all. This is a common thought. And the best sex is when there is meaning behind it, or so the experts say. I mean, honestly, the best sex could actually be a spontaneous romp, uh, unexpected, entirely different, um, because, you know, that we can get that comfort in a long-term relationships. But love is one of those meanings that certainly makes sex really good. Another question I get often is, is boring sex normal? It's so normal. <laughs> it scares me. Boring. That's the other thing. It's like the people who were having sex, they were having boring sex and then they're not having any sex. Or the people who are not having sex and are now having sex, they're having boring sex. That's the problem with monogamy and long-term relationships. So sex being boring sure is normal. But, you know, you can try and shake that up. And uh, your relationship inside the bedroom is strongly related to your relationship outside the bedroom. So the better you get along outside, the better you'll have, more fun you'll have inside. So it's okay to have boring sex every now and again. And if you fight a lot about sex, is your relationship doomed? Not necessarily a lot of couples fight about sex. So it's a club you may not want to be in, but you got free admission to. But you may want to see a marriage counselor or talk to somebody about it. So, and also my spouse, if your spouse doesn't understand what you like in the bedroom, what should you do? You got to talk about it. There's no replacement for good old fashioned communication. Sex is a sensitive subject, but why not say that feels good? That feels good. This doesn't feel good. I don't like when you do that. I like when you do that. You know what? People don't know what to do if they don't know what to do. If you don't tell them. So, uh, and often in long-term relationships, sex does, uh, decrease over time that's normal as well and during times of stress after babies the kids when you're busy all of that so life happens and sex is the first thing to fall off the table well i say pick it back up put it on the table deal with it have it you'll feel better sleep better live better i'm maureen mcgrath you're listening to the sunday night sex show on news talk 980 cknw Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. There are a couple of subjects I didn't get to tonight, and, and I, I think they warrant uh, a little bit more in-depth coverage, like recovery from porn addiction of your spouse. Generally, women find men on pornography sites, and uh, women can't, I mean, and men, women are just shocked that men can't come off of those um, pornography sites they feel betrayed they uh when a when a woman's husband is hooked on pornography she's instantly tossed into this unintended journey by a blistering sense of betrayal it can be horrific for uh so many women to find this out and to endure that pain of a husband's porn addiction i feel warrants more Uh, conversation, more dialogue, more in-depth education than the 32 seconds we have left of this program. Another subject, herpes. Um, 
debunking myths around herpes, uh, debunking myths especially that your sex life is over uh, for the rest of your life. That's not the case. So I'm going to have to address that next Sunday. I do apologize to you, but I do hope you'll join me next Sunday. Um, and uh, in in this journey that we're on together about education, about sexuality and sexual health. And uh, so I certainly hope that uh, you'll return to hear those two subjects and a few more as well. I'm going to be talking about BDSM next week and its relationship to mindfulness. So being present in the moment. And a lot of couples are engaging in BDSM and light BDSM these days. Uh, So that's another subject that I'm going to explore next week along with the ones that I had forgotten, not forgotten to, just didn't get to. Uh, tonight, but I will um, grace your ears with uh, this lovely sentiment from uh, somebody that commented on my TEDx talk. He said, I s- she seems like a borderline Marxist feminist. <laughs> Men begging like a dog. The worst business decision you can make today is get married if you are a man. Somebody else said, okay, you are my hero. The information on health-related issues is brilliant. I, too, am a registered nurse. And I share your sentiment. So uh, you can go to YouTube and and visit that. My website, Back to the Bedroom, is under construction, but you should see a brand new and improved one shortly. Otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, at Back the Number Two, The Bedroom. Don't forget the Vancouver Women's Conference on November 12th. Tickets at VancouverWomensConference.com. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. Until next week, have a sexually healthy week. Email me, sextalk at CKNW. For any of your questions, I'm Maureen McGrath, and you've been listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980. CKNW.